This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Hello and welcome to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow, and of course, James Howard and Jeremy Howard of Back of the Nest Pod. And Christian Benteke, just when you haven't got very many strikers, arguably the best one you've got tied down on a permanent deal, goes and starts flirting with his ex-girlfriend. What's all this about? Well, I, I haven't heard that. I've just been been reading, he's tweeting... Aston Villa or something? Yeah, so as soon as Aston Villa had won the playoff final against Derby, thereby ensuring their promotion to the Premier League, Christian Benteke tweeted their official account and said, I see you at Aston Villa finally getting this beautiful club back to where it belongs. Of course, then hundreds, in fact, 283 Villa fans (laughs) replied to that, saying, we love you, come back. We're in the Premier League. It is where you belong. Could you see it? They do love him. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I said to you before, uh, the ideal scenario is that Aston Villa go up, uh, they get pots of money and then they start thinking, well, do you know what? This player did did something for us a few years ago. Uh, let's 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 um, give him another go. And I think the only team out there that I could see that would give us a reasonable price for Benteke and pay his wages is Aston Villa. Uh, well, uh, Roy Hodgson and perhaps Stephen Parrish uh, Gave him a platform to advertise his wares. Um, and quite frankly, I don't think he did a very good job of it. So I'd be very surprised if, uh, if Aston Villa c- came in with, 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 with anything for him. But we're unlikely to get anywhere near what we paid for him. But uh, £10 million would be good. <laughs> well, that, it's an interesting selection, suggestion, that. So do you think that if Aston Villa were to go for Benteke, it would be a question of sentimentality, really, and nostalgia for what he did at the club all those years ago, rather than actually any current showing of ability? Yes, and I think it would be the same for Chelsea if they came in for Frank Lampard and Jody Morris. Oh, an interesting point. Are you not having any of that either, James? Yeah, current form for the last two seasons, no one would in their right mind spend the 10 million at least or the wages on Benteke. Um, 
but you know he's had a rough time uh we've had a rough time with him as well and he needs a break and sometimes when strikers go elsewhere and sometimes you know they maybe play in a different system and they go back to where they were loved it, it can work so who knows and would you like to get rid of him? We've discussed on this show a lot. We were discussing the Conor Wickham new contract last week. Crystal Palace aren't blessed with a plethora of excellent strikers. Benteke hasn't impressed, but he's one of relatively few with some kind of pedigree. Would you like to let him go, or is that actually something of a risk? Personally, I'd like to let him go now. I think he's he's had a, a good opportunity to... to show what he's capable of and uh, for whatever reason and, and there's, there's no need to be um, you know un- unkind about it he's been most unfortunate and at the end of the day um, all the pundits will tell you that uh, goals pay the wages and regrettably he he hasn't he hasn't you know paid his wages he hasn't delivered that's for sure not the last couple of seasons um, and I think it's not just having a, um, a striker in the background it's also he's taking up somebody else's place uh you know we we desperately need to um shore up the the, the, the striker department because we are possibly not going to get Batswai, so we might lose him um because he was just on loan uh i believe Ayu still is a player that we haven't we well, we had him on loan so we'd have to obviously purchase him as well so it's it's a difficult one because it's very easy to um, purchase players if you've got lots of money, lots of money. But to to sell players, it's 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 difficult. Yeah, and I think we need to look at what system we're going to be playing next year. I think we need to. It's very much like a game of chess. We need to think a few moves ahead because if, for example, we lose we lose Zaha, you know that that is a significant creative uh, presence. Uh, and what system are we going to play without him? Uh, he creates an awful lot. And the, the, the one thing that Crystal Palace has been lacking is a target man. And I think a, a lot of people have spoken. I think one of the most chastening aspects of the centre-forward position uh, generically at Crystal Palace is that we've been watching um, uh, Glenn Murray, um, at, at the ripe old age he is, of performing well at Brighton. And I think one of the things that we've lacked apart from goals is the ability to win the ball um, you know, uh, up front, uh, to hold the ball up, to win it with headers. Mm. And, and I think Batshuayi um, made a significant difference when, when he came in. And I think I mean, it's easy for us to sit here chatting away about it. And I'm, score, I'm sure there are significant extensive scouting networks out there <laughs> desperately searching for the, the ideal striker but uh, you know I would have thought teams like Palace with with their youth academies you know and Chelsea you know must must now be starting to give our own players a chance there's so much money swishing around and I'm not sure it's really being spent wisely no I think you're spot on but Palace are going to need a striker as you say and when we talk about what kind of striker it is we'll be dealing with you mentioned their headers. You used the phrase target man. Are you talking about a conventional target man, a sort of six-foot-plus battering ram up front to do the dirty work? Well, I, I've watched Palace for many, many years, as, as, as obviously so many people have, and I think when we came up with um, uh, Ian Holloway, I, I distinctly remember them trying to play out, of the, out from the back. And it's a recipe for disaster if you don't have, with all due respect, you know, the most accomplished players. Um, I mean, we've even seen it with, with Liverpool and Manchester City. You, you can get caught out playing that game. Um, and if you don't have top draw players, you know, it is a recipe for relegation. So, uh, so whilst I, I don't go into, 
I'm not in favour of long ball football per se. And Palace will play out from the back when the opportunity presents itself. And they have some very good ball playing defenders. I think we do need the route one option available. And if you don't have a target man, um, then it obviously limits your options. Well, we have re-signed, well not re-signed, but we've got Connor Wickham now. He's fit. He's been playing in the, um, I don't know, he's been on the bench. So he's been in uh, uh, playing um, uh, Reserve team football, under twenty ones, but he's been available and he's he's been on the training pitch quite a lot. So he's he's got he had a year left on his contract and he's now got two years left. So I think they feel that he will be probably part of the team more next season. Well, if he can stay fit, I mean he's he's a capable player. I mean he's shown that in the glimpses that you know that he's when he's played. In terms of the potential of a Benteke exit, is the dream for you that he just goes and you replace him? Or would you prefer to keep him and ha- have, therefore, that target man option and also get another striker in as well? I'm sorry to be ruthless. And, uh, <laughs> no. James and I watch every single game. And I've got to be honest, uh, I, I, I'd, I'd let him go. Been uh, him. I, I'm very surprised. I, I'm obviously I don't pull the purse strings at Crystal Palace, and and uh, I'm sure um, Steve Parrish wouldn't like to making admit making too many mistakes, if any, actually. Um, but uh, I, I think you know in in football and, and 30 million these days is not a lot of money. We, we, we've just seen Aston Villa apparently make 170 million in one afternoon. Um, you know we've given Benteke a run. He scored one or two goals for us. Indeed, he scored one at Arsenal recently, which set us on the road to a fabulous win. But that's not £30 million worth. So, yes, I would let him go. Well, that is potentially the end for Christian Benteke at Palace. And to be fair, if the Palace fans want to be shot of him, the Villa fans love him and Villa are willing to pay, it could be the perfect out for all parties. The question then for Palace is who comes in? Will it be Michi Batshuayi? Will it be somebody else entirely? One man we can be fairly confident it won't be is Marouane Shamak. The legend has hung up his boots and coming up, an ode to Shamak. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio with me, Johnny Burrow and James Howard, Jeremy Howard and I'm delighted to say Nick Gillard who joins us on the line. He is of course of Back of the Nest and the Crystal Palace Fan Show. Nick... You must be heartbroken. Marouane Shamak has finally hung up his boots. I am indeed. It does seem weird being the other end of the telephone, lying in the garden, enjoying the evening sunshine, listening to the show. It's uh, better than being in that stuffy studio. So, uh, <laughs> well done, everybody. And a good debut from uh, James's brother there. Some, uh, some good points. Marouane Shamak, he was our first big signing, got him from Arsenal. And you knew from the moment you saw him play that he was a class above what we went up with and we went up with a good squad um, you know what was the um, the Holloway debacle we, we we still finished 11th that season and although he didn't score much I think it was a big influence on the pitch I don't know what James thinks about that yeah definitely I, I mean I felt that he um, he used to hold the ball up really well and he had some really good first touches uh, just to lay it off um, and he could score a, a very good goal every now and then Um but um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm disappointed his career ended up as it did. You know, didn't really get many games the last few seasons, had too many injuries. But um, I'll always have fond memories of him, really liked him as a player when he was fit. Yeah, yeah, he hasn't played for two and a, two and a half years since he last played for Cardiff. But 30, 30 Champions League appearances, 
he, he wasn't um, a nobody, was he? It's, it's just a shame that the stats don't don't kind of give out what a player he was because he didn't score many. Um, he got a few assists, but as I said, I, I think he was just head and shoulders above everybody we had at that time. Nick, do you really Which... think he was that good? Because speaking from an Arsenal perspective, I think he was absolutely useless. When Arsenal signed him, I, for one, was very, very excited. He came with this pedigree, this reputation of being basically an elite Champions League level goal scorer. He was the first player in the history of the Champions League to score six goals in six consecutive games in that competition. He was the most dangerous striker in the air in all of Europe's top five leagues two years running. He turned up in North London with this great fanfare. He was rubbish. He held the ball up fine, but eight goals in 40 for Arsenal in the league, seven in 60 for Palace. We've just been talking about Benteke. And for me, Schumacher has got to fall into that category of fine, works hard, doesn't score enough. The the, the difference between Schumacher and Benteke is Benteke had a go for chances and just has awful misses. Schumacher never, never, never tried to shoot. That was, that was the biggest downfall, I think, and the biggest frustration and um, as a Palace fan, he, he just didn't want to shoot enough. But quite it's a shame. Plaz passes by. I mean, it was kind of an end of an era for me, just just because he was a big signing. And, you know, for all the reasons you said at Arsenal that he wasn't liked, we we kind of hoped he'd come good. And he, he sort of and then got injured, didn't he? Yeah, it's unfortunate. You know. I, I, it's difficult to explain, Shamak, because... I think as a Palace fan, you, you do appreciate what he did. And, and yeah, OK, he only scored eight goals in, in 40 appearances. But, you know, we could see the touches, we could see the layoffs, and we could see the way he held the ball up. And there was a lot of play where he just interlinked and very creative. And, and I yeah. admired him for that. And I could see the skill and I could see why Arsenal paid the money for him and why he was highly rated. Uh, he, yeah, I mean, we look. you look back over the years and you can look back at some top strikers like you know Mark Bright and they didn't always score a lot of goals for Crystal Palace but without them the others the other strikers like Ian Wright wouldn't have scored the goals so you know again it's 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 not always scoring goals when you're a striker Jeremy we've we've been talking about this need for Palace to get a striker this summer which will be particularly salient if you get your way and Benteke is shipped off if I offered you a in his prime, Marouane Schumach as the striker to come in this summer. Would you take that? I've got to be honest. I I I didn't know who Marianne Schumach was. Um, uh, I, I but so no. <laughs> I, I mean, if if I didn't know him, then no. Well, that's a fairly I, damning indictment. He's best remembered as the bloke whose hair looks like he got an entire pot of gel and just slapped himself <laughs> on the top of yeah. his head. <laughs> that for me is what he offered English football. I liked him. I thought he worked hard. I just is he what you need, Nick? If if I offered you the chance to bring him in this summer as your star man up front, would you actually take him? In his prime, you mean what? Like when he played for Bordeaux? Well, take him, no. take him then. Well, even then, 56 and 230. I'll offer you in his prime at Arsenal, those first 10 games where he did look quite good. Yeah, I don't know. We've we've got to change something, haven't we? But um, I think we're going to have more out than the more in. A friend of mine went to... Um, one of those evening whiffs uh, and it was Ray Lewington and Roy Hodgson and Roy said a couple of things that you might want to discuss afterwards is he doesn't choose players he goes for he just says what type of player he wants and then it's out of his hand and he's offered a selection of players so he doesn't actually go out and say I want this this person um, secondly is 
the fact that we we're probably going to lose more players over the summer. Um, just to, to trim the fat in his own way. So I don't know what what James and Jeremy think about that. Well, I think that's the the thing is that we haven't really apparently haven't got much money um, available. So we need to trim the fat, as you say, to cut the wages down. But whether or not there's going to be enough money to actually purchase players, I don't know. I mean, I've got a, a list of players that I'd be looking at. You know, obviously trying to, to sign Batshuayi. I'd be considering Tammy Abraham if he was available. Good young player, 21. I know people that watched the playoff final said weren't particularly impressive him. But hey, you know, he's only 21. He's still got room for improvement. Uh, he's got two England international uh, call-ups already. Um, there's young players like Adamola Lookman from Everton. He's only 21. Very good creative uh, forward player. I saw him at Charlton. Is he the guy, the guy at Charlton that went to Germany for a year? He's the guy. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I saw him play at Charlton. A friend of mine, a good friend of mine's a Charlton fan, and uh, it was a, a weekend when there was no Palace football, obviously. <laughs> and, uh, he okay. uh, persuaded me to go to Charlton, and um, I said to him, "He's your best players," and and he said, "Look, watch out for this this fella called Lookman." And um, he was fantastic. He had a really good first touch, really skillful. And then he said, "We we won't be able to keep hold of him." And then that summer, uh, Everton bought him. But yeah. Um, there are some good players around. I mean, I, I like the look of Bobby Reed from Cardiff. He's only 26. I think we need to look at some good... Uh, there's some good players out there, and I think we look, need to look at the ages as well. Um, and it just really depends if we've got the money available to purchase these players because, uh, yeah, we might save on the wages letting these players go, but can we actually buy them? <laughs> when we're, when we're yeah. talking about strikers, I find it interesting, James, that you suggest Bobby Reed because he again would fall into the category for me of looks quite dangerous, doesn't score enough goals, can't really finish. That might be unkind, but I saw him as a symptom of everything that was wrong with Cardiff this season. A lot of things were right with Cardiff this season, but one problem was that Neil Warnock recruited mainly from the Championship, which when you go up, I'm not convinced works. With the focus on players like him, players like Batshuayi, is that because you're really keen to bring in someone with proven Premier League pedigree? Or would you rather gamble and look further afield? I think you've got to bring in somebody like Batshuayi, or as we have with Benteke, you've got to be able to bring in someone that has got proven pedigree but you're going to need four strikers in your squad for the season and there's no way we're going to be able to afford to to pay that sort of money on two or three strikers so i'd be but james would 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 zaha count as both a a striker and a winger so we could have three in zaha i think that's what they'll have to yeah i think that's what they'll have to do i think everyone at palace majority of palace fans would prefer zaha to be out on the on the on wide you know playing from the wide um unfortunately he's used a lot more centrally because of you know every now and then there's an injury or we're lacking in strikers but you know that, that, that that's what Benteke said in his interview that was out last week or, or a quote him saying he loves it at crystal palace uh he's sorry he's not going as well but when he went there they were aside with wingers in townsend and zaha who who were supposed to cross the building for him that's not really happening no, no, it's not. And I, I, I read somewhere that, that, that Hodgson just doesn't like playing wide players or wingers. Um, so it's, it's, What's it's, he doing at Palace then? Well, yeah, exactly. But don't forget, it, it was Pardew that brought him Benteke, not Hodgson. And, and he obviously yeah. can't, they can't get a price from him. The club, and whoever that is, whether it's Steve Parrish or a group of people, are not prepared to lose 30 million quid that easily. And, and I think this is where 
we, me and Neil Shipley had a chat on the radio station a few weeks ago, and and Neil uh, and I kind of agreed that perhaps Roy has been asked to play Benteke a little bit towards the end of the season to see if he can get a few goals and and maybe sort of get his price up. Who knows uh, what goes Shop on? Window. Yeah, exactly. Because if it had scored a few, I mean, he scored at Arsenal and then he had another bad game. But uh, if it had ended the season with three or four goals, then someone had quite likely come in with fifteen million and buy him, and we'd probably say, "Yeah, thank you very much." Um, and then that would be enough money to to go out there and buy maybe um, a championship striker or or a striker that's not quite making it into the first team and a Premiership team. Yeah, the problem is still a bit early doors, though, isn't it? The season's only been over a couple of weeks, and. Um... It, it's hard that nobody's made any moves for anybody yet, really, have they? So until the machine starts moving, it's it's just all going to be conjecture. But it's it's, it's one last thing I wanted to ask you: comparing the squad when we went up, that Schmack and Punchin and Dan were in amongst, it, it's it's probable to say that we have got a much better squad, a much much better squad. Yeah, but I, we're I, I would in agree. The same position. Yes, I, I would agree. I think we, we have a, you know, the makings of a really good side. And bearing in mind that uh, we, we lost half, if not two thirds, of our defence uh, in the latter part of the season as well. Um, yeah. Most most other supporters wouldn't appreciate that. You know, our strength in depth is is not good, um, as with most of the teams in the bottom half of of that division. You know, that's where the, the the lesser teams suffer is is the strength in depth. So, serious injuries to key players can have a serious impact upon where you're where you're placed. Um, but I must say, I was very impressed with James's homework actually, because um, um, he didn't he, he wasn't that diligent at school. Um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, I, 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 I mean, I see players like Will Grigg and uh, Jordan Rhodes in the lower divisions, and and you wonder, well. You know, they've never been given a chance to play at the highest level and, and, and they, they score goals. And I think this is this is where perhaps some of the lower, uh, uh, less prof- prosperous Premier League teams should be looking is to give players from the lower leagues more of an opportunity. Not, mm. to, not to flood your team with championship players, as you're suggesting War- Warnock p- possibly have. Uh, it's fine if they've got the right attitude. But uh, I, th- I think, you know, we've got a nu- the nucleus of a good, solid Premier League team. And I think if, if we can blood one or two players from the lower divisions, give them the opportunity, um, then I'm sure we'll yeah. be fine. And, mm. it, and it won't cost a fortune. No, I think, Jeremy, I think you're spot on. And you can look even lower than the championship if you get it right, particularly when we're talking about strikers. Non-league mm. can work. Jamie Vardy is the classic example, but he's not the only one. The likes well, of Charlie Austin have Ian come Wright, from there as well. back in the day. Ian Wright, back in the day, for Palace. Even at the other end of the pitch, Chris Smalling originally signed for Fulham from a non-league side. So if the scouts are doing their job properly, as we discussed at the beginning of the show, perhaps the answer for Palace could be to go and look for a bargain rather than another Moroccan centre forward. Nick, thanks ever so much for getting in touch. Enjoy the rest of the show. Enjoy the evening sun. Nick Gillard there, who is of course of Back of the Nest and also the Palace fan show right here on Love Sport Radio. Talking of enjoying the sun, Crystal Palace's pre-season fixtures thus far have been released and there are some rather exotic and appealing locations. Don't go anywhere. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. And Palace have released their pre-season fixtures so far. They're in for a wonderful little tour of Switzerland, beginning with FC Luzern on Tuesday the 9th of July, then BSC Young Boys as well. Glamorous destination. Will either of you be following the team all the way out to Switzerland? I certainly won't be topping up this wonderful town over there, that's (laughs) that's for sure. No, I think uh, Barcelona or Madrid would have been uh, quite tasty. We could have shown them a few few things. Are, Are you disappointed from a fan's perspective that it isn't perhaps a sunnier destination? Yes, I, I, I think um, I think we're an affluent bunch down in South London. I think um, we'd quite fr- fancy somewhere a sun, more sunnier climb, for sure. Um, somewhere more exotic. Mm. No, there's nothing wrong with Switzerland. Obviously, It'd be quite expensive. There like, is. You need to be an affluent bunch to buy a pint in Luzerne. Well, imagine. it must be about twenty pounds a pint or something. <laughs> I mean, I've always, I've always, I'd be honest, I'd love to go to Switzerland. I mean, it, what mm. you hear about the place is just and see on the TV about it, but. I, I just everyone says it's so expensive and I can't see many people going out there really I've I've been once I loved it but I could only afford to breathe that, no, that was basically I, yeah, the extent I, I, of yeah. my experience I think you've got, a ch- you, you've got to be the chief exec of FIFA haven't you really to so yeah. live out there yeah yeah or perhaps the people setting the fixture list on the finance point of view are you surprised that the club haven't perhaps tried to be a little more cynically commercial with their choice of tour destination. We're seeing a lot of top teams go for the US to break into that market, certainly in terms of shirt sales. China is another option. You'd have thought that the potential for dormant Palace fans in Luzerne is not massively great. No, I th- actually, I think that's a really good point. Um, but, but, but you know, picking up from what we were just saying, I, I mean, Crystal Palace has a very solid fan base over here with a... Um, positive vocal support and I think that would have been a good marketing exercise if if a, f- a few of the lads had had gone you know abroad um, to to sell the club as much as the as much as the players and and you're right I think from a commercial perspective if we are to be able to compete with some of the more expensive um, strikers uh, you know we need, we need to uh, we need to um, really mi- milk it for all it's worth we did have a tour, didn't we, a couple of seasons ago? Was it in, was it in Hong Kong and we played Liverpool? Yes. We did, didn't we? Yeah. So I think it's been... And we had a tour in the US as well. So I think we are trying. Um, and, you know, it's very difficult to compete with the top sides. Uh, I think the best six recent success is obviously Leicester with their connections with Thailand and winning the Premiership. So, you know... Um, Unless you're going to be a Leicester that suddenly wins the Premiership out of the blue, I think it's going to be difficult for a team like Crystal Palace to to get the support uh, that the top four get. I mean, I I was surprised. Um, I've told you, you know, connection with Japan with my family, and uh, I was surprised. There's actually a, a fan base in Tokyo of Crystal mm. Palace fans, um, and they are Japanese people. So we are getting there slowly but surely. 
Sometimes when top clubs sign players who play internationally for countries that are perhaps emerging footballing nations in the commercial sense, supporters get a bit cynical and say, well, listen, you've only signed him to sell shirts. This was first thrown at Park Ji-sung when he signed for Manchester United. We saw it again at United when Shinji Kagawa signed there. And we're seeing it this summer as well. A lot of Chelsea fans saying that young Christian Pulisic has only been brought to the club so that Americans start supporting Chelsea. I think in almost all of those cases, there's a lot more to those deals. Certainly in the case of uh, Park Ji-sung, he showed that he was a very, very handy midfield player. But would you be willing to see the club perhaps make a tactical move, shall we say, in the transfer market? Yes, uh, I would. We, we did experience we did. this yeah. um, under Terry Venables with um, Sun and Fan. Uh, Sunji High Fanzi yes, and right, uh, yes. they were from China weren't they Yeah, mm, they were very good players actually internationals yeah. so yeah it isn't just about buying someone to no, wear a shirt uh, I, I'd, I'd be keen to, to do that um, especially if it, if it maximises the commercial potential that was in the first, probably the early days of when TV was just about sort of exploring the China market, actually, wasn't it? Mm. Um, but yeah, I remember actually. I went I went out to China um, a couple of years after, and uh, I bought a shirt with oh, <laughs> I yes. think it was Sun, Sun Jihai's name on my. I've got a long story. We haven't got time, but you I, were mobbed, weren't you? I, I went out to see I went out to see Dalian that Sun Jihai played for after he. Uh, stopped playing for Crystal Palace before he went and, re- and signed for Manchester City, and I met the guy. <laughs> met the guy outside Dalian Football Football Club in in China, and uh, absolutely got mobbed by all the fans. They thought <laughs> I, they thought I used to play with him. That's superb. In terms of the rest of the tour, once the guys are done in Switzerland, slightly less expensive, less glamorous destinations, Bromley first up. Could I tempt either of you to follow the team there? Oh, yeah. Well, we live down the road from Bromley. I mean, I'm in, you're in Bromley. I'm in Bromley. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, we had a good laugh, actually, didn't we, when we went last yeah, time? Yeah, we, we did see... Um, uh, who, who's the uh, the Leeds United player that's um, just, just auditioned for the British uh, diving squad? Hanford. Um, oh yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he got in, by the yeah, way. I've heard. Oh, oh right, yeah. No, he 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 actually, uh, you know, he looked like Pele on the day. Funnily enough, um, when we played Bromley, I think we won six nil. It all went all went downhill after that. It did it? rather, yes, yes. But um, but yeah, I don't think I'll be going to Bromley again. Bristol City, where you of course well, have been many a time, James. I was working working over there, hence the reason that I'm pretty familiar with. Uh, Tammy Abraham and Bobby Reid because those are two players I saw playing for Bristol City while they were in the championship and I thought they were really really impressed me so um, yeah I mean I don't have any point I don't have a need to go to Bristol uh, I I tend not to really go to, to be honest unless it's down the road in Bromley and uh, yeah it's an easy one I, I probably wouldn't go actually looking at the next fixture now this is quite appealing because Berlin is um, it, it's a very popular uh, stag do destination um, and uh, in fact, uh, I, I have a, a good reason for going out there because um, my son runs a business out there. Um, he runs the Berlin Film Society. Does he? So that would give me an opportunity to, to go oh, out and kill birds. But it's at Palace, that one. Oh, it's at so home. You might oh, miss that... the game if you do that. <laughs> but oh, you can play a, a second leg against <laughs> Hertha Berlin. They've got some fans, apparently, that's mm. uh, a bit, bit, bit tasty. Ah, oh, right. Okay. But, but so the ultra. I think our ultras have been following their ultras. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Probably not the same people going to the film society. 
So probably best not book a flight to Berlin then if it's a No, you game. might miss yes. the game. We could still yeah. go to Berlin. I've, I've, yeah. I've heard it's lovely this time of year. Do you take pre-season friendly seriously? Do you take the results seriously? Do you take the performances seriously? Do you think it even matters that you're playing teams of a similar quality to your own? No. I mean, I think Bromley are a bit better than us at the moment. But, uh, <laughs> but, but uh, no, I don't. I think it's literally about getting fit. Um, probably work, tr- playing on some, uh, working out some tactics uh, and uh, just looking at the shape of the team. Um, and perhaps the manager looking at the attitude of some of the players. You know, we, we saw uh, Glenn Murray uh, play at the Bromley, uh, that Bromley game. And for some reason, he was let go by Pardew soon after. Um, so I think it's a, it's from a management and training perspective, which I think that's the most important thing. I don't think it you know matters who we play. And on that point of Glenn Murray, do you think, for example, for this tour of Switzerland, there will be Palace players getting on the pitch who will actually be playing for their futures, whether they know it or not? Quite possibly. Whether it's too late. For, for <laughs> they're already doomed. Sold. Well, for, for them to be sold, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think they're looking to, to cut the transfer window. There'll be a bit of time left. Mm. I think there's only probably about three or four Palace players that, that are, other clubs would be keen on buying, um, and we could name those quite easily. Well, I'll name you two of them now. Wilfred <laughs> Zahar and Aaron Wambisaka. And coming up on the Palace Fan Show, can we hold on to them? This is Love Sport. You're listening to the Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. And from one great England right back to potentially another, Gary Neville has been talking up Aaron Wambasaka this week. He's been talking him up no end. He said he'd be a fantastic signing for Manchester United, that he's someone they should pursue. But he's made it very clear, as we certainly know from a Palace perspective, that Wambasaka is not going to come cheap. Palace apparently asking for £70 million what would you guys sell him for? I wouldn't sell him. He's he's that valuable. Hundred million quid? No, no. He, he he's the sort of player that lights the fans' afternoon, and and that's what brings the fans into the stadium. Hundred and twenty million pounds. No, it's not, we'll get that for him next year or the year after. The the, the lad needs to learn his trade. Um, he looks brilliant. He never makes a mistake. However. Um, you know, he is young and he may have a bad patch. And as we saw with Wilf, you know, going to a bigger club too soon can have um, sometimes an irreparable, irreparably uh, damaging impact on your career. I mean, Wilf was fortunate insofar as, you know, we were able to bring him back. Um, however, having said that, I think AWB is probably the best player, the best young player I've seen at Palace Possibly since Kenny Sansom, uh, but definitely since Ashley, we had Ashley Cole on loan. He really is fantastic, and and uh, you know I think if his price goes up to 150 million after that, so be it. I don't think I'd, I'd, I'd challenge anybody to phone in and say, has anybody if they could if they could remember a, a time when anybody's got past him? Just when you think a striker is about to go past him, he sticks out one of those long legs, and he's won the tackle yet again. He, it's amazing. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that whatever he's valued at now, whatever somebody's prepared to pay for him now, I think once he has another season under his belt and he breaks into that England team and he can show it at an international level, I think his price is going to rocket. And I would, you know, no disrespect to Manchester United, but I'd like to see him go to someone like, and I really could see him go to someone like Barcelona or Real Madrid. I think he's that good. 
Mm, wonderful stuff. I think he's extraordinary. I think you're both absolutely spot on. Touching on Neville's comments and touching on how much he's going to cost, do you think we're seeing a shift in power in the footballing transfer market? Because a few years ago, with no disrespect intended to Palace, if a player of AWB's calibre came through at a club of Crystal Palace's size, the big boys, the likes of United, would have absolutely no problem poaching him and probably for not that much money. I mean, when Wilf went to United the first time, what was it, roughly £20 million? You wouldn't be looking at more than that. Now, we've seen it at Leicester as well with Chilwell, you're able to demand a lot more is the era of big teams bullying little teams for their star men coming to a close yeah i think so i think there's more of a distribution of wealth out there you know with the tv money it's it's even fairly evenly spread out i you know obviously the bigger clubs are going to have the bigger revenues because of the fan base they've got and the commercial advertising etc but I think the, the, the bottom half teams of the Premier League um, can stand up to them. They can afford to pay the wages. And, you know, we're not, for example, Crystal Palace are not going to go out of business because they don't sell Wilf Zaha or Aaron Bambazaka. And it can be deferred for another season or two seasons. And their price, you know, will remain the same. Wilf is still only 26. He's, you know, arguably could be at the peak of his career at 28. So there's there's no reason why we can't just you know, crack on, have a really, you know, get, have another good go at it next season uh, with our best players available and see how we do. And yeah, if things don't work out in a year or a season or two, then maybe that's the time we look to sell maybe one or two of those players. Yes, I, I would agree with that entirely. Mm, I think on the Wilfred Zahar front, he has also given a very interesting interview in the past couple of days where he's talked very maturely and emotionally about his dad and saying how his dad had a stroke and that was one of his major reasons for wanting to remain in London because his dad, bless him, isn't the most mobile, not perhaps in the best form of his life and living in London back home enables him to be close to him. Zaha says in this interview that every night before a game he's able to see his dad and they pray together and that's massive for him, he said. Does that kind of family link give you more confidence that he is going to stick at the club, stick in the area? I would have thought so. Um, our father's actually in a, a care home for dementia sufferers. And, and I think uh, as you get older and your parents get older, you, one's mortality um, dawns on you more realistically. You know, when you're young, you just think you'll live forever, your parents will live forever. And, you know, we've all done it. We, we, we take our lives for granted and I, 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 you know, I'm very sad for Wilf. It, it's, it's obviously a difficult time for him, and it will be a very difficult decision for him to make. But for for uh, for me, if it, if it was family or money, and at the end of the day, as we were just saying, these lads, they don't need any more money, really. They're very well rewarded, you know, whether they're at Huddersfield Town or or Cardiff City. Um, so if if it means him spending, for example, the last two years of his father's life. Um, down here, then I'm sure he would make that decision and, and would never live to regret it. No, it'd be absolutely the right decision as well. Yeah, I think the only uh, chance he's, with the possibility of him going, is maybe to another London club, which is going to be someone like Arsenal or Tottenham or Chelsea, um, as I really think that he would want to stay in London. Um, 
But I can't see those teams putting in the money or having the money available to spend on, on Wilf. So I think it's he's going to be at Palace next season. It's looking safe. It's looking encouragingly safe for now. Yeah, the only convincing rumour I've heard about a potential Arsenal move involves £40 million and then 53 very average footballers. And just think, well, why would Palace want that? Why would you want Carl Jenkinson? Baffling. Yeah, we've got a lot of average football players already. Thank you very much. It would have to it would have to be something really special to 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 let Wolf go. Um, Abamyang plus cash. <laughs> well, yeah, well, they're not going to let him go. That's for sure. But, no, uh, <laughs> absolutely not. You mentioned that Palace have quite a few average footballers at the moment. They've got a few good ones as well. They'll be looking to add to their ranks in this summer's transfer window coming up. Who could they be after? Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio and it's time to address some of the transfer rumours circling Palace. We seem to always focus on the potentially negative, the star men leaving Selhurst Park, but what about a few stars who could arrive as well? We're hearing that the club could be in for Alonso Maximin of Nice. Everton and Newcastle are interested as well. He's young, he's 22 years of age. He's not noted so much for his goal return or his assists yet in France, but he is electric. He's exciting, very, very quick, very quick feet, looks to go round players. The suggestion is he'd probably only come in if Wilf were to go. Would you take him as a replacement? No, I wouldn't, no. I mean, I don't know anything about him, but uh, I'm just a bit sceptical about buying foreign players because the last one we bought Sorloff hasn't really hit hit it off. So, um, Yeah, I mean, I'm come, I've come in tonight as a last-minute sub, um, so I haven't done the, the necessary research. So, it's, But, but I, I regret, I, I can't say I've ever heard of him. And I I think we, we need to, to be very um, diligent in our um, searching, our, res, our research and, and acquisitions, you know, I mean, Spurs. Spurs made a shed load of money when they sold um, Gareth Bale, but they didn't replace him with with much at, at all. To be perfectly honest, um, and I think it's very easy to to spend the money. Um, but I think we we I'd rather not spend the money at all than than, than waste it. And so would you, that's an interesting point. Would you go in the event of a Wilfred Zaha exit? Would you go for the Spurs model with the Bale money, which was attempt to? replace one brilliant player by a net strengthening of the whole team across the park would you adopt that approach or would you go for broke and go you know what we're going to get a star to replace Wilf like for like teams like Palace um, uh, their success is, is largely dependent upon a te- on the team the team ethic um, and I know you know we all, as as Palace supporters and, and many other supporters, view Crystal Palace as a one-man team. But to be honest, you know, the, the, unless you're Barcelona, the, there isn't really such a thing as a, a one-man team. I I look to strengthen um, the whole the whole side, and I certainly wouldn't go for broke. Uh, I mean, for example, uh, you know, one broken leg. I mean, Will Grigg was. Uh, I think Sunderland missed out on Will Grigg. Had they had Will Grigg for all the time since they'd signed him, they probably would have gone up automatically. Mm, interesting point. You'll remember back in the day that we did this. Obviously, the money was a lot lower then, but we spent most of a lot of money at the time on Gabbiadini from Sunderland. Oh, and was the Ian Wright money, He it? was the Ian mm. Wright money, and he couldn't score at all, could he? He's doing everything else, but he just couldn't no. score. And that yeah. is the perfect example of spending all your money on one player because he scored for another team. Mm. But... 
when he came to us, he, he just spent the whole season and couldn't score. Uh, he was a Sunderland player, actually. He played really well for Sunderland. Um, but, yeah, he was quite diminutive, and I don't think he really made the impact that perhaps um, you know, the, the owners were hoping at the time. Mm. With this anxiety about signing players from abroad, and I think it is anxiety, really, I think it's well-placed and it's potentially very sensible. You don't want to take undue financial risks or gamble with the club's future. But is there not an argument that if Palace only ever go for Premier League proven players, championship proven players, because of the relative lack of financial clout at your disposal in terms of the Chelsea's, Manchester City's of this world, the club are never going to get a really superb footballer because if you just get the rejects from the big boys, you're not going to get a star. And it is a gamble to go to Ligue 1 or to go to Belgium or to Spain or to Germany and pick up someone who you perhaps haven't heard of. That is how you're going to get a Gareth Bale of your own. Well, it's it's an interesting point you make and, and uh, quite topical with uh, Brexit being you know top of the political agenda and um, and and the recent uh, voting in the European election. We've got to be careful not to be little Englanders. Uh, <laughs> don't forget the Premier League is actually made up of mainly f- overseas players. Um, it's just that the good ones all, all go to the top teams. Mm, very, very true. By the way, a lot of those players, if we leave without a deal, will have a very hard time getting work permits. So it could be a case of <laughs> Premier League only for all of us. Yeah, well, that might that might uh, that might work in our favour, actually. Yeah, quite possibly. Well, on that, let's focus on some brave British signings. Uh, there's a potential, apparently, for a move for Jack Butland, one-time England goalkeeper, a very good goalkeeper at that. Is that a move that would excite you? James, would you agree that that would be a good purchase? I think if he came to us, he would he would be expected to start. Yes. He'd want to yes. start. He wouldn't want to come and just sit on the bench. And I think the current goalkeeper, Gaeta, the Spanish player, has been doing really well. So mm. I, I, I don't know. It's a tough one because neither of those players are probably going to want to be on the bench. And, you know, he, he, he it might be difficult to persuade him to come and say, well, I can't guarantee you're going to get the number one spot. But would you mind coming anyway? Interesting. I mean, if you look at Burnley, I think they've got three first-team goalkeepers in their squad. Mm. Um, yeah, I, mean, I suppose it depends what what his options are. But uh, I, I think you know Hennessy you know, is a sound goalkeeper, but he's flattered to deceive. He seems to be there's always an error there somewhere. Um, On and off the pitch. Yes, yeah. Um, Ga- I don't know how you pronounce uh, Gator. Gwa- Gwaita, Gwaita, yeah. Gator. I-, I could see him being called Ali in the dressing room. Um, <laughs> like as Pilaqueta called. <laughs> it's called Dave at Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think Jack Butland would be a good buy, actually. I think he'd be a really good buy. I'm surprised that there aren't more top teams interested. He was someone who was rated as the great goalkeeping talent of English football. He's still at Stoke City, who now aren't even a top championship team. They've got an exciting manager in Nathan Jones, but they're still basically a mid-table championship club. Palace would be a genuine step up, and I think he would be a genuine step up for Palace in terms of their goalkeeping options. For sure. Well, we've lost Julian Speroni, so uh, yeah, we do need to get the third keeper in. <laughs> well, there is potentially another option as well. Benjamin Segrist of Dundee United is being linked. The fact that Nottingham Forest are also sniffing around might perhaps imply that he's not someone quite of Butland's quality. But are the club just dealing with a third choice here? Because they've got two options, haven't they? They can sign someone just to sit on the bench or they can flip it as we were just suggesting you go for Butland you get a new number one you bump everyone down that order which option would you prefer? I'd definitely go for uh, Jack Butland I think um, the more intense competition the better 
Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I don't think uh, these days um, players definitely can expect to be the number one goalkeeper or play first-team football every week. I think that they have to accept that there's strong competition in the Premier League now. Um, so, yeah, he's going to want to, if he wants to get back into the Premier League spotlight, he's going to maybe have to take a chance for himself and be prepared to um, fight his way into the team. Mm, I think that is absolutely spot on. One position that we've discussed a lot on this show this season is left back. We're not quite sure about Patrick Van Arnholt. Very exciting going forward. Perhaps something of a liability on the back foot. A new left back could be on the agenda. Jeffrey Schlupp has flattered to deceive. So potentially the news that the club could be after James Justin of Luton to come in in that role is an exciting rumour. Absolutely, yes. Again, I think we need to strengthen in in many departments and and left-back would certainly be a wise one. Um, Van Arnholt's a very good player. He scored some vital goals for us, but he does tend to go, he is prone to going walkabout. He's a winger, isn't he? Effectively. (laughs) Yeah, he's a pretty good one. So so is Juan Bissaka, (laughs) but he's a better defender. No, we definitely need cover because having um, allowed Pep Soiree to go, and we wish him well, yes, um, yes, we've had to rely on um, is it Wardy uh, to cover yeah. at left back yeah. and he's really a right back but he does a great job at left back but I think that you know PVA definitely needs some tough competition there at left back yeah, without a doubt yeah. do you think that Justin could be the man I mean highly rated at Luton Town Luton Town of course had a fantastic season but there is surely some concern that this is a guy who's never played football at a high level a really high level well, that, it, was it, is it the Liverpool player that was bought from Hull City? Yeah, um, Robertson, but he yeah. had played a bit of Premier League football. Yeah, yeah sure, sure. Um, I, I, I think we've, 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 you know, for the money, um, we've got to take a chance. I'd like to think it's a little bit easier for a, a fullback or a defender to fit in or to, to go into a, a division or two higher than it is mm. maybe for a striker to hit it off really quickly. Do you um, think so? I mean, what if you what if you get Manchester City on the opening day and he's got Raheem Sterling running at him and he crucifies him? He'll never sleep again. He won't. But then again, he could be an Aaron Wan-Bissaka and Very he true. had those t- top five teams in his first home games. Oh yeah, and um, he absolutely just just rode, yeah, yeah. rose to it. Yeah. yeah, it's a very good point. So yeah, I'm I'm all for it. If the price is right, um, and we definitely need a left back, and we're not, you know, I'd rather. I think we need to sort of look at the lower leagues and, and take a bit of a gamble as long as we're not paying too much because I don't think the powers that be are going to want to spend out 30 million again like they did on Benteke or, or Mamadou Sacco if we spent nearly 30 million. I think, you know, that's a lot of money and it's a big gamble and I don't think we've really got that money anymore. Um, no. So, uh, yeah, I could see us going to the lower leagues. I'd rather I'd rather they spend 30 million on the toilets, to be perfectly honest. I mean... <laughs> Well, that is always an option. It might perhaps make experiences better for the supporters. <laughs> Jeremy, other than the lose, you mentioned various positions that the club need to strengthen. Which do you think is the most pressing concern? I think the centre-backs are very solid. Um, uh, but, and I think, I think midfield is perhaps, you know, whilst we do have some solid midfielders, I think we do need a bit more creativity, uh, to be perfectly honest. I don't, don't know if you agree with me, James. Yeah, I think so. Um, we've got creativity in Townsend and Zaha, but they're pretty much more the sort wingers. of out on the wide. Mm. Um, but centrally, we've got some good players, but yeah, it's it's a difficult one. Um, 
I would say that it's going to cost a lot of money to get someone in that I think position. we just need a step up in class. Yeah. You know, we've got a fabulous penalty taker. Um, <laughs> need to focus on winning them. Yeah, and MacArthur's a workmanlike player, but, but uh, you know, he, he, he's no sort of midfield genius. No. So yeah. you're looking for a schemer? Yes, yes. Right. And yes. would you go for the Premier League? Is there anyone in the Premier League who stands out as that option? Oh, gosh. You put me on the spot, James. Yeah, I... I think there's just going to going to cost a lot of money to be honest with you. Well, that's um, the thing, isn't it? People like Jack Grealish, for example. Yeah. I, I would personally. I think he's he's only 28 still. I'd look at maybe Aaron Moy from Huddersfield. I think that's a really good shout, personally. Jeremy, you disagree? I, yeah, I, I, he he did he did make a big impact in that very first game that Huddersfield when Huddersfield came up they kicked us off the park in that first game and he was given the opportunity to shine and and perhaps in a in a better team uh, you know he would stand out but he because he's definitely a very very strong player I, I think he he's one of the few players that's really played well for Huddersfield over the last couple of seasons um he's yeah he's a he's a bit older than, than the others but at 28 I think we we if we can get him at the right money, I think he's slotting quite well. I think that's the key, isn't it? It's the right price. It's the right price. And I think this point that has come out of the show from both of you, that perhaps looking to the lower divisions could be the answer, is the secret. Aaron Moy or elsewhere, Palace could be strengthening from below. Join us next week on the Crystal Palace Fan Show. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. This is Love Sport. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.